Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast, and your hosts are a couple of guys who are embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. How you doing, Adam? I just received a text from my wife, and I've got sort of a crazy story to tell. Do you have time for a crazy story? I love a crazy story. So I was in L.A. last week. My wife and I were in L.A. last week. She being there for work, me being there for food. And (laughs) I love going to L.A. I think this is a feeling I've expressed to you many times. I I love eating and drinking there. I think it's super fun. I probably love it because I don't live there. (laughs) My wife and I, whenever we go, uh, have a great time. Stay for like three or four days and then we're out. She's mostly there for work, so we, we like do fun nighttime things there. We've done a a couple's vacation there, uh, yeah. my wife and your wife and you and me, and we had a, a splendid time. Just gobbling up all that Korean barbecue. Really great. Yeah. This trip began like so many others. Great trip. Great eating and drinking. Uh, great hotel. Love it. But on the last day we were there... My wife and I ended up going separate ways. I ended up taking a meeting with good friend of ours, friend of the pod, Adam Lizagore, over at Sandwich Video. And I was over there having coffee with him while my wife was enjoying an impossible burger. The oh. burger, the the meatless burger that is made of like vegetable protein, but but still yeah. bleeds. I thought only women bleed. <laughs> Your burger, yeah. It's a real cranky <laughs> burger. <laughs> So my I don't wife think that's and I what that song's about, Adam. <laughs> are enjoying a great last day in LA, albeit separately. And I get a I get a text while I'm hanging with Lizagor that says, Oh my god, rental car was broken into. <gasps> Everything was stolen. What? And I was like, oh no. Like totally destroyed by the idea that that my wife was there for work and what was stolen was her work shit like she had a bag in the car with workplace laptop workplace paperwork workplace things man yeah along with like like uh her her personal effects like uh her ipad and and stuff like that like the process of reporting that stuff to your job has got to just be such a miserable situation yeah, and so, like, she's in the fashion district, like, blocks away from Skid Row, having to write a police report for things that she knows will never be recovered. Like, right. this is a police officer interaction wherein the officer side of things are not going to be working in shifts to recover the credence tapes. Like, <laughs> like this stuff is as good as gone, and she knows it, and it's just awful. Let so, me ask you this, Adam. Did she find social studies homework wedged into the seat cushions? <laughs> there was no social studies homework to be found. Oh. So, I mean, it's a total wipeout. I had my bag on me. Otherwise, my shit would have been in the car just as easily. So we get to the airport, and I meet my wife there, and 
uh, she is as sad as one can appropriately be about being the victim of thievery. And not only was her work stuff stolen, but a co-worker's work stuff was stolen too. Boy. Because she was traveling with work people. And it was her idea to go get this Impossible Burger. And so she's feeling bad on a couple of levels. Like, mm. her feeling of responsibility that that put them in that circumstance. Her feeling of like, well, yeah, I shouldn't have left shit in the car. That's not great. That's not a great look. And also, like, the A story of the thievery, which is valuable stuff that got stolen that she's now going to have to deal with replacing. So, that was a week ago. Today, she texts me and says, the stuff has been recovered. I need to go back down to LA to get it. What? Yeah. The most unlikely conclusion to this story is the stuff was found. And the stuff was found, Ben. That's so wild. I would have bet any amount that... None of this stuff would be seen again. I had a camera stolen in L.A. a few years ago, like one of the professional video cameras that yeah. I own for work. And uh, it was like, it, it felt like, I felt like Lebowski asking the officers yeah. if there was any, you know, <laughs> chance of recovering the car. Yeah. Like, they, uh, you know... They basically told me that if they do recover it, a bum will have used it as a toilet. It seems impossible to think that in a city the size of Los Angeles, there is any hope for your effects to be recovered. Yeah. Perhaps the same chances of creating a meatless hamburger that tastes, <laughs> smells, and, uh, and eats like a standard issue beef burger. We live in a time of miracles, Adam. I know. Fucking so, magnets. How do they work? So we left L.A. like feeling like, ah, we finally got our bad L.A. moment. Like we've been coming to L.A. for, we've been to L.A. dozens of times and we've loved it every time. And now we're leaving like, uh, we finally fucking got dinged. Like there's yeah. our, there's real L.A. for you. And now like redemption. We can love L.A. again, Ben. <laughs> Speaking of special missions, wherein you must chase down a special item, today we have a very special episode, Ben. It is season six, episode 20, The Shays. The entrepreneur is checking out a stellar nursery and uh, Captain Picard gets called to the observation lounge by Riker. He goes in there, and the lights are all off, but his attention is immediately grabbed by a piece of garden pottery <laughs> that's sitting on the on the big curved table there. The Travelocity Commercial Gnome. <laughs> <laughs> the lights come up, and there's an old man there with Riker. Coming up next. An old man taking a bath. This is Professor Galen, who was the, like, superstar academic archaeologist that Picard got bitten by the archaeology bug under. And uh, this guy's talking about Picard like he was the star pupil, like uh, Commander Darren in the last episode. Like, if, if captaining doesn't work out for Picard, he's got a career in archaeology. You call this archaeology? I feel like Star Trek is a world that's not unlike 
uh, our contemporary world where every kid is named Galen and Dalen and Quaylen and <laughs> come on, there's some Aidens. Yeah, it feels like like names on this show are are beginning to form a pattern. Hmm. This kid, this guy's old enough that it's it's possible that he was born in the uh, in the early aughts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe this show inspired a lot of that. A lot of people watched this show. Yeah. Maybe they don't even realize what they're doing. Oh, I think they know what they're doing, Ben. So, Pistu is geeking the fuck out about this pottery. It's a relic from the third dynasty of something something. From the workshop of the master of Darkwind Hill. It's made by a master. It's all all intact. All the little parts are there. There's something about acting excited and knowledgeable that seems as difficult to me as acting drunk for an actor like i think you could so easily be a a real goof about this i think patrick stewart threads that needle pretty nicely like he's blown away by the subject he's super knowledgeable about it he's pumped to receive it yeah and and what's really i mean like what makes patrick stewart just you know the the star that he is is that he's able to act both like an excited expert and like he's drunk in the same scene. So it's like, <laughs> let me tell you something, Will Raker. <laughs> this is pottery from the workshop of the master of Tarquin Hill. And Becky doesn't want you coming over here anymore. Your impression of drunk Picard sounds like <laughs> Louis C.K. Louis C.K.'s impression of a woman. <laughs> pretty spot on <laughs> uh, but the professor is not here to offer Picard his equivalent of chocolate cake this is a this is bribery taking place yeah and there is there is a quality about their relationship that is almost Boothby-esque like, like Picard reveres this professor in a way that I think was familiar to me, at least. Like, I think a lot of people who are fortunate enough to, a lot of very fortunate people will have the good professor or the good teacher, like the teacher that really got to them yeah. in an amazing way. And for Picard, it is this professor who has had such an effect on him that in spite of Picard's rank and career success and success on any level, he is willing to be called Mr. Picard by him. He is willing to to be less than this person. I should say Captain. Oh, uh, please, uh, Mr. will do fine. He puts this dude higher on the pyramid than he is, which is super, super unusual for a non-admiral character. You know what happens when you put people on pedestals, man. <laughs> Sometimes you put them up so high you can't even get to them. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go down to the beach. Is this Riker hitting on Guinan? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, that was just a, that was a little hipster Picard. That was hippie Picard again. <laughs> hippie Picard again. Oh. Um, you know, that, that deep character from like three <laughs> seasons ago that I did. <laughs> you did that one time. Yeah. Well, the yeah, Galen is is here not just to 
give him this thing, but to say, like, hey, man, like, you walked away from what could have been a an illustrious career in archaeology. Like, you, you could have been, like, the star archaeologist of your generation, and you're not. And I'm here, I'm here to offer that back to you. Uh, and the way I'm offering that is like, is like, take, take a leave of absence from the enterprise, come on this expedition with me. You know, we might be away for three months. We might be away for a year, but it's going to be worth it. Trust me. Like this is like the thing that I am onto is a big enough find that you're not going to regret it. This is another way that they establish uh, the reverence that Picard has for him because Galen does not betray any of his knowledge at all to him based only on his word that the discovery is significant. That's the only thing that Picard has to go on in making this decision. It's uh, it's sort of a lottery ticket at this point. I wondered why, I mean, like I understand narratively why Galen won't give up the goods on what the mission is, but I don't understand why this character would keep it under his hat. Like, does does he not trust Picard? Like, if like if the implications of what he's looking into are real, and like spoiler alert, we find out they are. It's like a way bigger deal than any trade mission that the Enterprise might have to go to. You are totally correct, and this is the moment where the entire episode crashes like the house of cards totally falls apart here because like what galen intends to do is basically a suicide mission he wants to take a previa out to do his archaeology (laughs) knowing that there are competing factions trying to find the same stuff why doesn't he just tell picard what the deal is and use the resources of the enterprise it's a totally stupid line of thinking for what is supposed to be a really smart man. It's it's a strange... The secret dies with him, too, if, if he fails. Right. And the secret does die with him. Like they, like, they spend the first third of this episode having Galen, like, really ply Captain Picard, guilt trip him, make him think about the career he could have had, and... Picard ultimately is like, Doug, like I, I, I cannot walk away from the Enterprise. If I if I leave the Enterprise, I leave it for good and you haven't given me enough to go on to like make that a decision I am willing to make. And so Galen is disappointed, but he gets in his Previa and goes on his way. When I'm soaring through the neighborhood on important missions in our Previa, the essential controls are all at my fingertips so I can perform commands with ease and still keep on course. And then, like, the second he has left the ship, he's getting <laughs> attacked by this alien attack ship. A distress call from Professor Galen's shuttle. They, like, drop out of warp. Worf tags him with a little phaser fire. Worf! I didn't hit it that hard. Must have had a self-destruct. The ship blows up, and they beam Galen aboard, and he has spilled a ton of prego all over the front of his shirt. The moment that Worf fires on the ship and it explodes and Riker wheels around and is like, Worf, what the fuck? <laughs> like, this is not the first time that Worf has accidentally destroyed a ship. They don't ever get into why the ship accidentally explode, right? 
No, they don't. Because the one that happened before was that, like, sick-ass, murdered-out, you know, like, space Cadillac that was, like, full of explosives, essentially. It blew up because it had so much volatile cargo on it that when a phaser penetrated its shields, it just was it went up like a powder keg. But this ship blows up, and there's never an explanation offered for why it would have been so vulnerable. I think we're starting to see a picture of how exceptionally the crew treats Worf and also Data. Being the only crew people of their kind and type <laughs> on the ship, they can get away with so much, unpunished. Worf's going off on, on Rambo missions, Data's <laughs> stealing the ship whenever he wants. They're, they're never punished for these things. Yeah. They play by a different set of rules. Rules that I hope we will one day read about in the Bible. <laughs> I don't know that poor writing is canonical Star Trek <laughs> so much as accidental Star Trek. <laughs> Galen has a deathbed confession to Picard that he was a bit of a dick before he left. <laughs> Sorry for being such a dick. That was, that was super weak, man. And they sort of like uh, give each other the rock, and then and then he's <laughs> dead. Yeah. And then the uh, the blanket that he was lying under slowly collapses as he fades out of existence. <laughs> when 900 years old you reach, look as good you are not. Picard decides that they're going to not go do their their mission because they have this, they have like a McLaughlin group. Issue one. And Jordi and Data have downloaded the computer from the Previa that was attacked by the alien ship. And they're like, yeah, we got a lot of pieces here. And there's all these like crazy numbers. Uh, we don't really know what they mean, but uh, it's clear that Galen was like trying to protect this information. And uh, the aliens that attacked him are not really aggressive, but they are known as information dealers. So they wanted something he had. And that's enough for Picard to say, like, well, let's figure out, like, where he's been and where he's coming from. We'll start looking at clues. And everybody's like, well, yeah, but what about trade conference? And Picard's <laughs> like, conference? Are you fucking kidding? That's the most dangerous shit in the world. I'd r- much rather do some archaeology for the rest of this episode. <laughs> it's suicide. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to this planet that, I guess it's like the last planet that Galen had had been at. And it's just kind of like a regular, like, proto-Earth type of planet. And Picard's like, well, is there any archaeology to be done here? Are there any, like, ruins or anything like that? Scanners don't turn up anything. So Nothing but urethral snakes. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go do your hentai podcast by yourself, Adam? Welcome to the Greatest Generation, the foremost tentacle porn podcast. <laughs> by one host who's embarrassed and another po- host who's not here anymore. <laughs> 
so they don't find anything here, and Picard is like, well, uh, he went to another planet. Why don't we go there? And Riker, at this point, has been sort of humoring Picard's whole deal about this. And he's like, look, like, this was a dead end. What's to say that the rest of these planets that Galen went to was a dead end? And Picard sort of reprioritizes the whole thing in the manner you suggest. He's like, uh, you know, if if this puzzle is as important as Galen says, then I think we got to we got to put this to the top of the list. And this scene is was really notable to me, Ben, because of its composition. There's Picard and Riker arguing about this in the foreground, but in the crook of Riker's arm is Troy's face. And then the deep background is Worf. And Riker changes positions a couple of times in this scene, and Troy always remains visible inside his arm. Hmm. Even at the very end, when Troy regards Worf about the conflict that they're seeing between Riker and Picard, I just thought that was really deft. And it's a Jonathan Frakes-directed episode, which... Man, I felt Frakes on this in the cold open. I was like, this feels so Frakes-y already, and then... It's it's so fun to like see that confirmed. Yeah, and like I think with every episode he directs, we keep saying this over and over. I think he is the series' strongest director. He is really good at this point in the show. Really confident. I yeah. think he's taken taken the throne from Rob Bowman. Yeah. Where where did Rob Bowman go? He must be off on some other series. Yeah, he stopped working this show, I think in one of the first two seasons and he went off to do X-Files and stuff. He he went on to have a career, but stopped yeah. doing this show. R.I.P. Rob Bowman. <laughs> um, or as my wife would say, R.S.V.P. Rob Bowman. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> have I ever told you about my wife's like amazing ability to put two idioms together into a way that doesn't make sense, but you know what she means. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. You'll have to call again. I'm just leaving. I should write a few of them down. Like, uh, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll plant this now. And in like a couple of months, I'll have, I'll have enough to make a cold open. Uh, I'll I'll have enough to make a Marin open out of it. You're proposing a chapter in the wiki. (laughs) Yeah. My my wife is uh, is quietly hilarious. That's the best kind. Yeah, I mean she's not like me where I'm like, hey, look at me! I need your attention here now. I'm making jokes. La 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 la. <laughs> she just lays back in the cut and says something super funny every so often. <laughs> my, my, my love. Troy comes into the ready room and is like, hey, is this just Ray Wenge? Is this just Omerta? What does it mean? And Picard is like, no, this is not about that, man. This is about, like, maybe this is the biggest discovery ever. And also, they killed my professor. This is two straight episodes where Counselor Troy's services are needed and used in mm-hmm. a great way. It's, it's like the show just remembered what her utility was. And has and they've just sort of woken up to the idea. Yeah, like give Troy a scene where she confronts the captain or interacts with her nominal function on the ship at all, <laughs> and she'll uh, she'll add to the story. Yeah, yeah. 
She totally does here. And Picard just starts screaming and waving a phaser cannon around. And then he <laughs> smashes it into the ships behind him. <laughs> like, like rambling on about the line and where it must be drawn. <laughs> he really kind of breaks here. Fucking dog has fucking papers. Over the line! You broke your little ships. She, she sort of uh, yes captains him. Right? Like, her counsel is not exactly welcomed. She's sort of rebuffed and turned away. Right. Like, I mean, he kind of makes the... He kind of makes the trade conference or the peace conference or whatever sound like the kind of fish versus dog level <laughs> d- uh, diplomacy that yeah. the entrepreneur sometimes gets into. He's like... Obviously, like, that's important or whatever, but this is way more important, and I'm not going to let a couple of, like, joke aliens <laughs> make make this man's life work disappear through our fingers. The and Emerald Room at the Howard Johnson's can wait. <laughs> yeah. we'll, be, we'll be there in a week anyways, because I'm going to learn how to flip real estate. Yeah. <laughs> they pull up to this next planet, and it's like... It's like a beautiful looking planet, but there's this brown poopy creeping through the edges of the atmosphere. And it becomes clear pretty quickly that all life everywhere is being destroyed. It wasn't me. (laughs) It was the one-armed man. (laughs) I can't lose my arm because I'm a creature of surpassing power. I am a doubt. You can't cut things off of me. I am eternal. <laughs> Where were we? I totally blacked out. <laughs> Kevin, did Kevin uh, steal your memory? Yeah. Yeah, so evidently, not only are they on the path of like a what's possibly like a super weapon or a super technology, there's also someone rolling around the galaxy with a planet killing weapon. Yeah, and so they're like, what would you be covering up by destroying all life on a planet? Maybe the DNA. And so that like puts them onto the idea that the numbers that they found in Galen's Previa computer might be a genetic code. And they look into this and they're like, yeah, there's like, there's different, there's different genes from 19 different planets around this, this quadrant. Like there's something to this. Like we we're kind of like onto the scent. It looks like these samples are from your blood. <laughs> Millions of years ago. Mosquitoes landed on different kinds of animals. Then sap from trees froze them in time. And Galen came along in a previa, dug him up, and extracted the code. You think Galen was trying to create Jurassic Park? (laughs) He spared no expense. Yeah. His preference for the previa instead of Jeep Wrangler or the little uh, little ride-along. Yeah, Jeep Wrangler is not a great uh, space vehicle. Yeah, <laughs> the way it really isn't. is. You don't you don't want a leather exterior on your <laughs> on your space vehicle. Yeah, that's soft top. Not mm. great for deflection. Yeah, I mean, or it atmosphere. Obviously, it obviously looks great when you're going to the beach and you want to peel off your top and show off your six pack. But yeah, 
That's not that's not really Galen's bag, is it? <laughs> I just really wanted to hear Mr. DNA again. Yeah. That's a deep cut. It's a deep cut. You know, like I wish I wish we had more to draw from with Mr. DNA. We've 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 mined the shit out of Kevin. We've mined the shit out of Batman even. The thing is, we have yet to sexualize Mr. DNA in the way that we have every other impression we've ever done on this show. You know we've reached the bottom once we sexualize Mr. DNA. I'm in your butt. (laughs) (laughs) And scene. Perfectly placed act break. I am the cutest of all. You will assist us. The next planet they get to, got a couple of Cardassian warships there, and um, they've got the kind of, like, sassy Cardassian captain going, like, oh, yeah, you should clear out, because, like, I was, like, doing some counting. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but it seems like we have twice as many ships as you, so fuck off. Yeah. Uh, she, she's attitudinal in the way that we have come to expect Cardassians, you know? Mm-hmm. But it was nice to see a lady get a, a, a gull position. I don't think, I don't think we've really seen any lady Cardassians until now. We saw the daughter with the pet inside the torture chamber. Right. Where Picard was taken. I think that was the only lady Dacian that we've seen. So far. They still have not figured out what a Cardassian bridge looks like, though. It looks like they put up a a green psych planning to comp it out and then (laughs) just didn't. Yeah. It's like a a black leather executive office chair and a green psych. (laughs) Yeah. It's really really limited. Almost like because it's that green, they could have done it for the remaster, right? They could have done something. Yeah, this would have been... This would have been keyable for yeah. sure. Yeah. It's also like didn't like they had a Cardassian bridge in Deep Space 9, right? Yeah. Cuz they cuz they've got that uh that one bad guy that's always showing up. Gul Dukat. Yeah, the point is like the world exists. That 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 background exists. I read something interesting in the show notes about this one. I, I will occasionally do research. I'll cop to that. People and always what, get really freaked out when you admit this. What I really enjoy reading are, like, the quotes from people like Frakes, whose mm-hmm. quotes were in the show notes for this one. And he was like, he mentioned something like, all of the money for the show was going across the street, as in Deep Space Nine. Like, I guess they definitely felt the budget tightening on Next Gen, as they wow. were spooling up Deep Space. And that just seems insane to me, that the legacy show would be siphoned off to start this new one that's that's not been established. Right. I, I mean, I, By season six, I think it's fairly well known that Next Generation is a great Star Trek show and is deserving of resources, is it not? All I can think of is that from a sets and scope standpoint, 
Deep Space Nine is a lot more ambitious than TNG. And these last two seasons are where you would have seen TNG really start to like stretch itself mm-hmm. out and be like, okay, we're not going to do Ace Garden Center and Psych for Jungle Planet. We're going to like go shoot in a real yeah. jungle somewhere because yeah. like we have $10 million to spend every episode and let's fucking let's fucking make this look good Let, let's do this for real i'm interested in scrutinizing those first two seasons of deep space nine for this reason like to see where the money went <laughs> and to and to like feel some some bad feelings about it knowing that those should be next gen dollars you know i'm uh i'm gonna i'm gonna place a wager right now that a good percentage of that budget went right up uh berman's nose Ooh, that's a hot take. Hot take coming through, Ben. Get some potholders for that one. And a trivet. You got some uh, tater tots in that hot take? Good old Midwestern hot take. Yeah. Hopefully the tickets to our live show, which we are on the brink of announcing as of this recording, are selling like hot takes. Hopefully when we get to Minnesota... Uh, there will be a number of hot takes to sample. <laughs> so they get to this, they're, they're like talking to these Cardassians and they're like about to get scared off when some Klingons decloak and Picard does what diplomat Picard is want to do, which is he gets them all in the, in the conference room and is like, let's work together. I know that you, the Klingons, think that this is a hyper weapon I know that you, the the Cardassians, who are like a crazy militarized society, but somehow also have like ma- major resource deficiency problems, are convinced it's an unlimited power source. We don't know what it is ourselves, but like it seems like we all have we all have like a grab bag full of jigsaw puzzle pieces, and we can get a lot closer to completing the picture if we work together than if we work at cross purposes. So like we'll do it in a way where you can all be in the room while we put them together and we'll be, we'll be just as far along as each other uh, as we, as we advance this mystery. Almost this entire scene is shown in shot reverse shot without any of the characters being together in frame. Yeah. They don't, that sort of uh, underscored how separate everyone was in their thinking. mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and like once again, they've got the Cardassian lit in a super skull face, where you know, like we, like the the Klingon is very is very like, you know, braggadocio and and bombastic, but he's he's like more a friend than the than the Cardassian, and so he he's lit more evenly. And this Cardassian, like, she looked terrifying when they cut to her. The Klingon character Nudak had that fun combination of threatening and bumbling that made me think that he was like Klingon Luis Guzman. Like, <laughs> like every character that Luis Guzman plays seems to have that type of combination that I really enjoy. Yeah, he walks over to the window of the observation lounge and looks out at the planet below and says, You could see the sea from here if you could see it. You gotta put me in the film, Jack. <laughs> I'm ready. 
A couple years ago, I was working for a, uh, a media company, and we had an opportunity to interview Luis Guzman. And oh the, boy, the reporter and I like put together a list of Luis Guzman quotes to to like test him, and he like he basically got every single one of them. Like he was unstumpable. Like he knows all his best lines. Wow, was he great? I want to believe that he's a great hang. He was a fucking awesome hang. Yes. Yeah. That's great. It was totally good. They put their little genetic puzzle pieces together and it's like it's like four corners. It it, it it's looking like a shape but they're obviously missing a shape. Like they're not missing so much that a child couldn't connect the dots of what's missing, <laughs> but they're definitely missing something. And so I think that like it's it's like enough that they can kind of like get the computer working on some some like processes to kind of like solve for missing piece and that gives them some time to kill Adam. And so with this time uh to kill the Klingon does what Klingon's going to do, which is go down to the bar and he finds data there. And there's a great scene where this guy is, like, challenging Data to a Klingon strength test. Commander, your reputation for physical strength is known even in the Klingon Empire. It's so great. It's like he's challenged a semi-truck to a strength test. You are familiar with the Bahat Kool challenge? It's hilarious how he just sort of bounces off of Data. More talk! It's such a fun scene, and it's like... It's one of those ones where it's like, man, I this makes me once again angry at every time there's been like an intruder on board and Data hasn't like grabbed their guns and beat them to death with them or yeah, whatever, like used his super speed and his super strength to overcome an adversary. Or like for Bashir to be so interested in his breathing and his beard growing, like show me some feats of strength, Data. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, go pick up that warp core. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's fun. Like, he, he like, headbutts him and it flies across the room because Data's head is made out of titanium or whatever. Because, because it's made, made of, metal. of metal. And robots are strong. <laughs> <laughs> the other scene we get in this, in this, like, killing time is Geordi, like, wandering around the engineering section and he like he just kind of like is walking past a computer and does a double take and it's like what the hell and then radios up to the captain and says you might want to come down here i found something that i think you should see and that is pregnantly left unaddressed at this point so pregnant hella pregnant many times throughout this episode i kept thinking about what about how insane Galen's plan was. There is no way he gets even a tenth of the way to this point. Like, if his Previa got into a Mexican standoff between the Cardassians and the Klingons in, in orbit of this planet, like, he's so fucked. Can you imagine Captain Picard dying on that stupid mission in a Previa? Like, <laughs> he's really lucky he didn't take him up on that deal. Well, the other side of that, though, is like, how are how is everybody onto this? You know, yeah. The, the everybody is working from Galen's notes, so like at some point 
his Dropbox account got hacked or something. Because that's the thing that goes unsaid is is because everything's so synchronized with everyone else's spycraft. There had to be a breach, and it had to come from Galen. And like, why didn't the story start there? It felt to me that like even a single line of of Galen telling Picard like the urgency of his mission is is as it is because he suffered a security breach and the discovery is so important that he has to rush out there to chase the rest of this puzzle down like that gives the story a little bit more heft and it, and it's not a ton of work to to do right you so you start it that way and then instead of challenging data to feats of strength the klingon comes into 10 forward and challenges galen it kills galen and then he's out of the story the same way that he is in this version easy we hit all the same beats <laughs> so they they get everybody back together and they're gonna like wait for the uh ticker tape to get shit out of the computer to say what the next planet is and the computer announces the name of the planet they're gonna go to and suddenly gola set the cardassian captain beams out the cardassian ships start start bullseyeing the entrepreneur and uh it's looking pretty bad right it's some real fun cannonball run vibes, right? Like the race, <laughs> the race to the goal, the uh, the spaceship race to the goal, especially mm-hmm. really fun. I really hope that they get to the end and they they uh, they come out on stage and Smash Mouth is there. <laughs> they have a long way to go and a short time to get there. The uh, we cut to we cut up to the bridge and Riker is like, all right, guys, let's cut the inertial dampeners and make this look good. And uh, it it becomes clear that somehow they have like hardened themselves to Cardassian beam weapons in a way that makes like I don't really understand how this works either. Like how can they? How can knowing that the Cardassians are going to shoot at them make them invulnerable to the Cardassians' weapons? I have no idea. I all I know is that this plan appeals to Riker's sense of role play. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't get word to the Klingons, or no, the Klingons like knew that this was happening also, but the Klingon crew wasn't as good at making the Klingon cruiser invulnerable. So, the, yeah, and uh, Klingon Louise Guzman just goes off on this poor guy. <laughs> Over the phone, too. You incompetent Topa! You were supposed to be prepared! Yeah, that's not a good look, man. <laughs> no. He's a little bit wee, isn't he? He may be the littlest Klingon. <laughs> little, little shorty? Yeah. I mean, Dorn just towers over him. It's un- like, one thing that I think I, I wish this show had done more of is play with the size of different aliens. Like, Yeah. I think that... You know, like it's, it's not that hard to do. You know, like they they do a lot of that in um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, like playing with the scale of different kind of species. And mm-hmm. I like, what if the Klingons were just like a fucking like eight foot tall race? Like they were all mad big, and like instead of Worf having trouble with doors, he just has to duck every time he goes through one. Yeah, like that's that's shootable. You just have to make a plan for it. A man, a plan, a camera, <laughs> giant Klingons. <laughs> one of my favorite palindromes, Adam. 
Picard and Captain Guzman come up on the <laughs> on the bridge, and Picard's like, "Well, we better get to that secret other planet. The Cardassians aren't going to leave their pants pulled down for long." And they head off, and who is it? Like it's like the captain, Guzman, the Doctor, and Worf beam down to a styrofoam planet. And they're looking at, like, some fossils that might have the last piece of DNA. And, like, what they've, what they've gotten to at this point is that hidden in DNA on planets all over the quadrant are numbers that can be put together to make a computer program. And, and like, there's it, – it's – the subject of some debate what this computer program does but this is the planet where the last piece of the puzzle is and they're finally going to have their picture of kittens in a romulan wicker basket so they get up there and they're like they're like poking around for this lichen when the Cardassians beam down and it's like fuck <laughs> they are so quick and then a moment later Romulans beam down and yeah. they're like we were watching you guys the whole time we were cloaked yeah. and Klingon Louise Guzman has got to feel like a total idiot at this point like he could yeah, have been cloaked like, the whole time too yeah we have cloaking devices why weren't we this smart we were you rarely checkers. you rarely get like the gang together with all the aliens yeah. And this is it. They got this a is... real good group of actors for the Romulans, especially together, because they all look like they're straight out of, like, 1959. <laughs> they have some real fucking past people faces. Yeah. Good call. And so everybody's, like, Mexican standoffing here. Whee! <laughs> what a predicament! There's ray guns out. Everybody is, you know, recriminating everybody else. Empty kitten baskets. (laughs) Yeah. And Picard and Beverly just kind of like quietly step back and scrape some lichen off the wall and scan it into a tricorder. And the tricorder turns into one of those little like mobile projectors that seems like it's going to be a great idea. But then it's like, "Ah, I spent like 200 bucks on this and there's really not that many things you can use it for. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. The projection ends up being sort of a gooey guy or or gooey girl, I guess. There's a, there's some androgyny at play here a little bit. Sort of a big head with mm-hmm. recessed ears. A little bit of an Odo look to this person. Yeah, and uh and she's like in this kind of kind of angelic white costume. She's in like a tupa. You look good in that tupa. Some people don't, but you do. Everyone, like, holds their breath. They're like, holy shit, this is it. This Something amazing is going to happen. Yeah. And she basically is like, we're, uh, we're from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> we thought it would be fun to sprinkle our information around, see if anyone put the pieces together so I could deliver to you this message. We're all the same, you and me. Why don't we just try to be more chill to each other or whatever? 
Yeah, and and it's kind of like it's kind of shaming, right? Like she says, yeah. like if you found this message, you are working together, and that's great to hear. Like our our children have have grown up and aren't being idiots trying to chop each other's heads off. And meanwhile, and like that's Klingon Louise Guzman is making like the jerk off motion while she's talking. <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah. factually correct. When it goes close on her, it's it's clear that she's got like basketball texture on her loaf. Yeah, and her uh, the areas around her lips are starting to come apart. It's not yeah, holding it's not up gr- under under talking. Yeah, and you can also tell that like the loaf is kind of just barely tucked into the top of her tupa. <laughs> like, like you can see the edge of it under the under the uh, under the uh, collar of the of the shirt. She delivers maybe the most quintessentially Star Trek message ever, right? It's some real shockery shit. <laughs> like, like there's some real mysticism at play here. Yeah. And I it's think fun. everyone like, is a little disappointed to hear it. It's like mysticism and the panspermia theory kind of combined, you know? It's, yeah. It's such a good premise for a Star Trek episode, and it's a shame that this is the episode that they burned it in. You know, during certain months out of the year, if you walk through New York, you can smell the panspermia tree in bloom <laughs> not sure if you knew that ben uh, i'm abundantly aware of that uh, <laughs> gotta keep the door on my balcony closed for that very reason <laughs> she disappears and like and like the klingon is like this is bullshit where's my weapon yeah i think they're all they all just sort of shrug their shoulders go off on their separate ways and the button on the episode is uh, before everyone leaves, Picard's in his quarters, and the commander of one of the Romulan ships is like, uh, hey man, I've been giving that a lot of thought. And uh, that uh, that weird white robe person on the planet's surface may have been onto something. Anyway, bye! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit like, uh, man, it's a shame we never got together, you and me. Oh, well, too late now. We're both married. I didn't think this scene worked, though. Like, it it didn't walk close enough up to the line of being significant. Yeah. Like, is the fact that this person reached out to Picard at all of such significance that it's a big deal? I didn't think it was. I mean, I guess... I guess the implication is that, like, maybe... Maybe the Romulans are more like the Federation than anybody else. Like, they're kind of like the what-if of the Federation being authoritarian. Mm. And it's interesting to see one character kind of, like, consider the alternative. Like, Picard is never going to be like, man, I wish I wish the Federation was more like the Romulan Empire or, like, we could be more friendly with regimes that we find repugnant but but when that romulan is like hmm i could i could uh i could see this like like i could see us being pals in the future it's at least an interesting idea but again like i totally agree it's a it's an interesting idea that's in a in an episode that doesn't quite rise to the level of delivering on it if this if whatever they thought they were going to get out of this puzzle was significant enough i was I was wondering how different this episode would have felt if a Rom Yarlin were 
involved, you know? Like, whatever yeah. happened to her? Why don't they give Denise Crosby a call every time something like this comes up? Like, we get returns from Q all the time, but we get so few callbacks by antagonists on this show. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame, Adam. Well, yeah. did you like the episode? Boy, I really liked the episode up until the last... Now, I'll walk that back a little bit. I like the middle 25 of this episode quite a bit. I like the idea of of Star Trek Cannonball Run, you know? That part <laughs> was really cool. The Galen part didn't work for me, and all of his reasons for keeping it a secret didn't work. And the, uh, the denouement at the end uh, <laughs> did not make me feel anything in a way that that I prefer to feel at the conclusion of an episode, you know, like, but that middle, that middle was real nice. There was a lot to do there. Like, Hmm. I just want to click and drag that middle out to the edges. Yes. Like a content aware scale function in Photoshop. Right. Right. Like to my knowledge, they never, they've never done an episode like that where it is just breathless all the way through. Like if, if we get dropped into the middle of the chase, right. It would have been great. That would have been cool. Yeah. So, I mean, likable, enjoyable episode with some problems, but that middle was enough for me to enjoy it and give it a pass. Yeah. I feel, I feel the same way, man. I think it's, I kept I kept thinking as I watched this like I would love to read the well-drawn science fiction novel about this idea. Yeah. Like not even necessarily set in the Star Trek universe, but like w- like it would be really cool to build the universe around this idea because it is super interesting. Like what if you found out that all of the destiny of your your species and all of the species that you've become aware of in your starfaring, uh, you know, empire or whatever, ha- have been predetermined for billions of years. Like, what a crazy existential thunderclap to visit upon billions of people. That idea is awesome, and that that like the idea of that gave me the chills when they were in Shimoda Corner talking about the possibility of that Ben, to me that should have been star trek insurrection right Hmm. like if you bolt that theory onto that movie you can still keep that planet with the people who live forever but if (laughs) but if that's if that's the end planet to this story and that and that creates its own conflict among all of the rest of the people like that that is a crazy good story i think if the puzzle leads to the Baku planet. Yeah. And then we pick it up from there. How do you know that that's the Baku planet? I don't remember that kind of thing. Isn't that who they are? I I totally believe you. I'm just saying, like, who cares enough about that movie to remember that? Yeah, that was a real garbage movie. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fact check Baku planet. Got to get that right, Ben. We're going to get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. The Baku. Yeah. I was right. God, how did I know that? That movie had a $60 million budget and it made double. Wow. That comes as a surprise. Double your money, double your fun. (laughs) At that point, they decide, we can make anything. This is a license (laughs) to print money. 
I'm going to take a dump in this manila envelope. <laughs> Give it a $60 million Got budget and we'll make the next one. <laughs> ben, do we have any P1s? <laughs> let's, uh, let's check in the manila envelope we have here. <laughs> do we have any P1s? <laughs> this, this manila envelope's squishy. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Adam, we have a priority one message of a commercial nature here. It says this, Fish Boys, sixth official full length, is the fourth in a series of rock operas. The album Art Guards explores the lives of several artists and the interconnectiveness of all things. R-I-Y-L, art, complex television shows, rock. Previous works include An Elephant, about Topsy's haunting of Thomas Edison, Classic Creeps, a mystery, and Albatross, bank heists by a rock band on tour. Each will impress, thrill, and bloom with each listen. Hundreds of -of one-of-a-kind paintings, of artists are available too. Touring soon. Beam on over to yofishboy.com to order the freshest masterpiece from Denton, Texas indie rock stars Fishboy. Art Guards hits May 19th on CD, LP, digital, and DLX. Do you know what DLX is? I have no idea. The only other Denton, Texas band I know of is Centromatic. Denton, Texas puts out a lot of good music. Yeah. Uh, I gave a, I gave Fishboy a listen, and I enjoyed myself quite uh, immensely. I'm glad they're putting out records. Like Yeah, that's cool. Like, you can get their music on CD and LP. I love that. You can, you can tell that, uh, you know, they're working at a certain level if LPs are part of their offerings. Fishboy. Give it a listen. Yofishboy.com. Go check it out. Ben, our second priority one message is of a personal nature. It is from your very own drunk Mr. Data, and it is for the sexy Duras sister. I think they're talking about Bator, right? That's the sexy one. Uh, I've always been a Lursa man, Adam. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think I can get with that. I'm, I'm, I ride for Bator. Anyway, message goes like this. You are the only one that I want to go probing space buttholes with. <laughs> now that you're missed, Data, I can finally install my emotion chip. I've put my Horgon in the closet. I'm canceling my huge order from Uxbridge, and I've unsubscribed from Jordy's Red Pill Podcast. <laughs> I can't wait to explore Strange new meatloaf with you While sipping Coco Nonos Love you Oh, that's sweet This is great uh, It says here in the notes that uh, They're getting back from their wedding on the 10th So anytime wow. after that would be A welcome message to receive So they have just come back From what is obviously going to be a great wedding where yeah. uh, where they and their guests will have imbibed a lot of those Coco Nonos. That sounds like a fun party. 
Yeah, congratulations, guys. Congrats. If you have a celebratory or personal or commercial message, any type of message, Ben, really, we'll take them all. You can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages are $100, commercial messages are $200. They're fun to read, fun to write, fun to pay for, and they uh, contribute to the ongoing production of our show. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books. They send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I'm going to have to give it to Klingon Guzman <laughs> for the uh, the feats of strength in the in uh, 10 Forward with Data. Uh, I just thought uh, this actor really, like, chewed up this this uh, this little moment. You know, it's it's like... It's a great moment of levity in this episode. It's like a greater moment of levity than perhaps this episode deserves. And it's partly mm. just because of how like how funny the performance is, like how fucking shocked he is at how quickly he loses. Like this dude doesn't look like he works out exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he goes into his little like Klingon arm wrestle brimming with confidence. And he does I- not learn his lesson. <laughs> I like the idea that that the legend of Data's strength has reached far into the Klingon people. Like, they know of him. Yeah. In a fun way. They're fascinated by this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it could be no one else than, than Nudak, really. Like, he's... And what an interesting magic trick you described of, like, an episode with such serious story beats... And his ham and cheese being completely welcome in it, like it does not spoil the broth at all. No, he's he, and I think that's a credit to how great he plays it. Like yeah, he's not a, a he's clownish without being a total fucking clown about it. Right. I mean, and and that's a hard Klingon needle to thread because yeah. at this point, the kind of like the comportment of a Klingon is pretty well established. Like that's not something that you get to mess around with much as an actor in the same way that the kind of like the way that a that your character is going to walk if you get cast as a Ferengi has has been predetermined you know Mm -hmm. like you don't get to go into Klingon loaf and then come in and do anything but like I have you know strong feelings about this and honor and you know right and all that shit and within that that really strong creative constraint this guy manages to be like an interesting and fun character and a different Klingon guy than we normally get yeah really cool I loved his portrayal quite a bit Ben what do we have coming up on the next episode the next episode is season 6 episode 21 frame of mind trapped in an alien mental hospital with little memory of the past Riker is convinced he's going insane. Do you remember this episode, Adam? I remember this being one of the great episodes. Yeah. That's how I remember it. A a tense psychological thriller. We get totally unhinged hair (laughs) from Riker, too, which is great. Like, another great moment of, of hinge hair symbiosis. That is true. It's one of those ones where they like, you know, like they they try and fail to Twilight Zone every so often. And I remember this one succeeding in a really fun way. So I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, me too. I think we're going to get a lot of yelling and screaming from Frakes here. 
which <laughs> is one of my favorite sounds. <laughs> True dat. All right. Well, that'll be next time, Adam. There is a next time to talk about our show, Ben. You know where that happens? <laughs> On the internet. <laughs> On Twitter, using the hashtag GreatestGen, there's also a group on Facebook and a couple of great pages on Reddit. One is the official Maximum Fun Reddit at r slash Maximum Fun. The other one is our very own branded Reddit page, r slash GreatestGen. Branded it is. Um, We should thank Dark Materia for our music and Adam Ragusea for our other music and all the people that get our merch at maxfunstore.com and contribute to the production of the store at maximumfund.org slash donate and uh, we're excited to see you all on our tour and with that we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that's shit in its pants it's so crazy MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.